you have your Bibles, if you turn with me, we're going to be looking at a couple different things. We're going to start off in the book of Genesis. We've been there a lot through this series. Uh, we're going to springboard from Genesis to one of the letters that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 3. As we continue a sermon series entitled God's Family Values, uh, we're, we're so excited by the grace of God to be a part of God's family, uh, that he loves us and he draws us in uh, because of the work of his son. And so if we're part of the family, we really got to look to our heavenly father and say, okay, father, help us know what the family values are. What is it that you value? Because we have our own values. We see culture has so many values. We live in a time that says we should value this or don't value that. We live in a canceled culture where a lot of things we used to value have been canceled. And so all those things to kind of be like shifting sand. So as a part of God's family, where we want to gaze and we want to look into God's word, into God's face and say, what is it that you value, God? Because if we are yours, if we're your beloved children, we should value the things that you value. In 1981, the Canadian rock band Loverboy summed up what I would call the American work ethic, work ethic by singing the great song, everybody's working for the weekend. Yeah, everybody's working for the weekend. And I just think in so many ways that came out in 1981. I was in high school um, and kind of love that, that song, although it, it is a Canadian rock band. Is it not kind of an American work ethic that everybody's working to party, right? I mean, everybody's grinding through the week. Uh, and we want the uh, fruits of our labor to end in the weekend. We want to work to play. I mean, that's the bottom line. It seems like you know, a lot of American mindset. When I became a preacher, uh, that motto went right down the old drain, right? Uh, I'm working for the weekend, too. I'm working for Sunday. Uh, but when you want to say, well, when you work one day a week, Pastor, you know, you better be ready. Uh, but working to be able to preach and teach, it's a little bit different. But the question is, if that's the American mindset, everybody's working for the weekend, what should the Christian mindset be when it comes to work? Why should we work? How should we work? Who should we work for? Now hit pause. We're going to talk about God's word, no matter where you are in the story of your work, whether you're in the golden years, can't waiting for retirement, whether you've already pushed through that retirement, whether you're just starting your career or whether you haven't even begun yet, this is God's word, and this is for all of us. And all of us need to have this Christian work ethic. Uh, many have said that it was actually the Christian work ethic that would change the world. It would change the world after the Reformation. Uh, through the Reformation, God's word got in the hands of God's people, and they started reading God's word. They started understanding who God was in a fuller way, understanding the good news of the gospel. And one of the amazing truths, biblical truths that emerged out of the Reformation was this understanding of what's called the priesthood of all believers. And what this means is, is there's not just a separation between clergy and laity. It's not so much that God loves what I do and he tolerates what you do. What he is really saying is this, is that all of us have a job to do. No matter if you're a carpenter, no matter if you're a teacher, uh, no matter if you're a doctor, you're a nurse, no matter what you do and how you do it, what you do matters to God uh, and that priesthood of all 
believers, that all workers had value, not just some. Now watch this. And all work had value, especially if that work is done for the kingdom and the glory of God. And so it wasn't so much that we're working for the weekend. The reality is, is whatever we do, we are to work for God, for his glory. So as again, as we start this morning with part eight of this sermon series of what he values, we're going to realize that God values work. So we're going to look at four things this morning. We're going to see that God has created us to work. We're going to see that God's story tells us that sin made work a burden. We're going to see that in Jesus, God recreates us in Christ for good works. And then we're going to see something very important, the rest of our work. How does rest come into uh, the, the picture of work? Now, disclaimer. We're going to talk about a concept of the Bible, and I'm going to take you through a picture that starts in Genesis and goes all the way to the end. I got to be honest with you. I got more stuff than you probably can handle in one sermon. We could talk about this for a really long time. I will do my best to present to this to you in a way that's palatable, in a way that's just not overwhelming. People sometimes, Jeff, you preach like a water hose, like a fire hose. You just open it up. We're like, oh, my goodness. So I will do my best. But let me tell you something. Hang on with me, okay? Not because I have anything to say, because God has a lot to say. And I, I guarantee you there's going to be parts of this sermon that are going to hit you more than others. Some of you got to hear about the rest. Some of you got to hear about the purpose. Some of you got to hear about navigating this. So there's something for everybody. Hang with me. I know it's a lot. I will do my best to, to, to give it to you in a meal. I feel like a, a chef who prepared a meal saying, okay, we got a lot of courses here. So hang on. Some might taste better than others, but this is all God's word. And uh, it's all God's truth. And we need to hear it. So I'm going to start from the very beginning. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to pick up in verse 26. Uh, and read through chapter 2, verse 3. Then we're going to turn to Colossians 3, 22 through 24. And I am, for no extra charge, going to throw more verses in as we go. All right. thought that was kind of funny, but I guess not. But anyway. All right. Hear, hear the word of the Lord. The incredible story of God. Genesis 1, verse 26. I know it's not on the screen. I, I'm, they pick up in 27. Then God said, he's creating this triune God now says, let us make God in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion work over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. By the way, I preached on gender a few weeks ago, if you missed it. It's available on our website and on YouTube. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. There's work. And fill the earth and subdue it. There's work. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heaven, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I've given every green plant for food, and it was so, and God saw that he had uh, all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. 
and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Chapter 2. Thus the heavens and earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on, on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to pick up in verse 22 and read through verse 24. Bond servants, workers, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with the sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you for the joy of gathering this morning. We thank you for the joy of hearing your voice through your word. Oh, God, we know that we need to hear from you. And God, you tell us a lot in your word about work, where it came from, who we are to work for, and how we are to do our work. But God, you want us to hear something more than just a moral message of do the right thing. God, we want to hear why you made us workers. We want to know what we're supposed to do with our hands, our minds, our feet. And God, we want what we do to matter. And you tell us that if it's done for you, it does. So God, would you be with us powerfully? Would you speak through a broken sinner like me? Would you give us ears to hear your voice? Would you give us minds that understand your word? Would you give us hearts that embrace your truth? And God, would you give us feet and hands and a life that would go and work in a manner worthy of your name? No matter if we're working in the home or outside the home, working in the classroom or outside the classroom, wherever we go, may we do it for your glory and for our neighbor good. God, the things that I say that are wrong are my opinion. Let those things just fall away and be forgotten quickly. But God, the things that contain the gospel, use those things to make us more like Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, let's jump in. The first thing is this, is that God created us to work. We were created in God's image. As image bearers of God, of all of creation, we reflect him more than anything else. And what we read about through scripture is that God himself is a worker. And if we are made in his image, we are made to be workers as well, as God is a worker. And scripture will tell us about how God works. And it gives us three basic areas of God as a worker. God's works of creation, God's works of providence, and God's works of redemption. This is the basic way we see God as worker. The first thing the Bible starts with is God is a creator. It's amazing that God spoke everything into existence. Now hit pause, let that come in on you for a little bit. God says that I spoke everything into existence in the span of six days out of nothing. What an amazing creator. What a powerful God that he could speak light, lands, 
cosmos into existence. And he did it. What a work week. God had one credible work week, right? He had six days. Theologians will argue, are they a literal 24-hour days? We can leave that for another day. I think it's safe to say no matter what camp you fall in, uh, that's okay. Uh, but in six days, according to Scripture, God speaks everything into existence. So here's the deal. I don't want to hear about your busy work week and all you did in a week. Look what God could do in a week, right? Uh, it's pretty darn amazing. So that's God's works of creation. We look at creation. We don't worship creation. We worship the creator, the one who created all things. Then you see God's works of providence, probably a word you don't use very often, a theological word that uses to describe that God is in control of all things. Part of God's work is his reign and rule over his cosmos, his world. I love the way the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Shorter Catechisms written back in the 1600s says this. What are God's works of providence? God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing all his creatures and all his actions, all their actions. Here's what it's saying. God is in control of everything. There's not one atom in our universe that is outside of God's control. If it were, that was more powerful than God. But there's a mystery to this. There's a real mystery to this, that God is in control of all things. But look at how messed up things are. But God is good and holy, and he's all-powerful. But we read, I read it this morning uh, as I'm reading through Isaiah, that says, remember, God's ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. There's a mystery to our great God. There's a goodness to our great God that's always there. But there's going to be things that happen in our lives, in our world that we don't understand, that will say, oh, where'd this come from? Where are you, God? But we know this. If God is worth knowing and loving, he better be in control. And God is a God of providence. Part of his work is he is perfectly in control. He's perfectly good. He's perfectly merciful. And he's perfectly just. And I have all the tension of all that in my hands, looking around the world. But I trust and obey that that's what he, who he is and how he tells us. So God's works of creation, God's works of providence, he's still working today, his story is unfolding. But then there's the God's work of redemption. And I love God's work of the redemption. He tells us that before time began, before God created anything, stick with me, watch this, it's really cool. Before God created anything, he says, I'm gonna enter into a contract, an agreement with my son. I'm gonna have this covenant of redemption that I'm going to go and rescue myself through the work of my son, my own people. So the greatest work that God will do, man, he did great work in creation, his work of profit, but his work of redemption. Oh my goodness, that God would love sinners like us so much that he would send his son and the work his son had to do to perfectly fulfill the law, to absorb the father's wrath on the cross, to conquer death for us. That's all under the work of redemption. Why? So you and I could be called the sons and daughters of the king. So you and I could be forgiven and free. What amazing work that God has done, uniting sinners like us to a holy God. So God himself is a creator. I've showed that to you. And we are created to not only work by God, watch this, we are created to work for God. No matter if you're a teacher, you're a cop, you're a firefighter, you're a lawyer, you own your own business. The bottom line is God has created all of us to work for him. God made us in his image and employed us to work for him. How does he do it? We read it in Genesis 1. 
working for him. He says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to work with families. We talked about that last week. I, I want you to fill the earth with my image. I'm going to choose you to do it. Be fruitful. Re reproduce my image that knows and loves me throughout the earth. Have dominion over the earth. What does that mean? To rule over creation, to rule for God, um, uh, to, to bring God's presence wherever we go. Not only that, we have to follow God's pattern for the world. I, I love this reality. When God told us this story of creation, it's a true story, but it's a story. And he told us that when the beginning, that the earth was void, it was dark. So what does God do? God brings light into darkness. He tells us that the earth was empty and void. So what does God do? He brings beauty into what was empty and void. Man, does he bring beauty. It says that the, 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 the waters, the spirit hovered over the waters. It's chaos. The world was chaotic until he created it. And so what he, he, what he did is he brought order into the chaos. Here's my point. You were created to work for God no matter where you are in your station of life. Bring God's light into darkness. Most people say you're a Christian. Be moral. Of course. But a good Hindu and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a good Muslim could be moral. As a Christian, we got to be something more than just moral. A Christian worth ethic brings light into darkness. Is there darkness around you? Is there darkness within your workspace? How do you bring that light in? You got to be Billy Graham? No, you got to be you, reflecting the light of Christ. But in Christ, we are the light of the world. We bring God's light into the workplace. He has designed you right where you are, and he wants you to bring that light into that spot. God wants you to bring beauty into the void. So how do we bring beauty into your workspace? I love looking at your faces, knowing what you do. How do you bring beauty? You bring God's spirit. You bring the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So when, when, when everything is going crazy, you, by God's grace, you're bringing something to the equation as a child of the king that no one else has. You bring God's spirit. You bring love to those who are unlovable. You play, bring peace to a situation that, that, is, that is boiled over. You bring joy to hard work because you know that God is with you and for you. You bring a whole different attitude because you bring Jesus' spirit with you. And as you do, you bring beauty into your workplace, being you in love with Jesus. Well, not only that, we bring order into the chaos. You bring peace. Do our, is our workplaces filled with chaos? You know it is. Is, is the world around us filled with, with chaos? You know it is. And, and we got enough inside of us. But the gospel gives us hope. So we see the reality that God made us in his image to be workers. We work for him. But we also got to see this. Work is a part of paradise. Dang it, I missed chapter 2, verse 15. It was on the screen. I jumped right over it. It said, before the fall, it said, God took Adam and put him in the garden to do what? To work it. Become a Zach Brown fan. Love Zach Brown. Toes in the water, butt in the sand, cold beer in my hand. Life is good today. Life is good today. I mean, I mean, that's, that's a song called Toes. If you don't know it, Zach Brown, listen to that puppy. It's awesome. You know, I want my toes in the water. I want my butt in the sand. I want a cold beer in my hand and know that life is good today. We're working hard for the weekend. But you got to realize, sometimes we think that 
uh, work wasn't a part of paradise. Work is something that is awful to avoid. But do you know that in paradise, God created us to work? Work has been a God's plan from, from the beginning. So work is a part of paradise. Interesting. Work isn't a necessary evil, but here's, here's the reality. Our sinful evilness makes work a burden. Let's get to the second point. Second point is this. Sin made our work a burden. Sin made work work, right? Uh, uh, everything is cursed because of the reality of that. I want to read to you, work of dominion is now cursed. So I love the story of the Bible, absolutely amazing. Chapter 1 and 2 is a story of creation. Chapter 3, we have this separation from God, sin and rebellion, what we call the fall. And rebelling against God had, has, talk about waves, has broken everything. There's nothing that you have ever seen. There's nothing that you have ever loved. There's nothing that you've ever touched that hasn't been broken because of our sinfulness. The most amazing sunset, the most beautiful kiss from your spouse, everything in life is broken because of the fall. And scripture is going to tell us once we rebelled against God, it would never be the same. Man, we would need a savior. Listen to what God told Adam and Eve, what would happen as a consequence of their rebellion. I'm going to pick up Genesis 3 verse 17. And to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Here's what happens. Cursed is the ground because of you. And now in pain, you shall eat of all of it all the days of your life. In pain, you shall now work. Thorns and thistles, it shall come up forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Because of the uh, fall of man, it says the ground is cursed. Everything is going to be painful. Is work, e is work easy? Even if you love your job, is it easy? Of course it's not. Everything about our jobs has affected the fall. It's difficult. Ground is cursed. It's painful. It's now the sweat of your brow. It's now thorns and thistles. Even, so he says, I want you to have dominion over the earth, but by the way, the earth itself is all messed up. How about all your plans to be successful? Is there not always a fly in the ointment? Is there not always something that goes wrong? Is there not always something out of your control or in your control? Is there something you forgot? Isn't there something left undone? I mean, dang it, Adam, you've messed it up. You made work work. And not only that, the work of multiplication is now painful. It says childbearing is more painful. I got to hit pause and say, I always wondered about that. If we didn't sin, would childbearing not be painful? <laughs> it just seems to me the main, the main biology and physics of the whole thing, that would be painful. But it says it's now more painful. So look at this. The things that God has asked us to do, have dominion and multiply, they're all in pain. It's difficult. Work. Work has become work because of our sin. But there's good news. God recreates us in Christ to do good works. Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes, For those of us by God's grace who are Christians, those of us who have Jesus in our hearts, God says that we're a new masterpiece in Christ. I'm going to back up and pick up verse, verse uh, 8. For by grace you and I have been saved through faith. What a way to be saved by God. And this is not of our own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one would boast. For he says this, 
For we are his masterpiece, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He says, if you're a Christian, you are now a masterpiece of what Jesus has done through his life, death, and resurrection. He's made you this masterpiece. Why? To do good works. God recreates us in Christ for good works. We are now to live our lives to work for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor. We should be upwardly mobile. What does it mean to be upwardly mobile? We should do it all for him. God, no matter what I'm doing, if I'm a cop, if I'm a fireman, if I'm an attorney, I'm a teacher, may I do it for your glory. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. Whatever it is that you do, be upwardly mobile. But not only for the glory of God, for the good of our neighbor, not just for our future to be blessed. I love what Ephesians 4.28 says. Ephesians 4.28. Let me read this to you. Um, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with someone in need. I don't know if you tune me out or tune me in, but you know what this says? You should work so you have something to give to somebody. You should work so you can be a blessing to others. Work isn't just about you and your 401k and what's in your bank account and what you can afford. It's not just working for the weekend. God says, I want you to work in a way that brings me glory and blesses your neighbor. I want you to have something to give. I want you to have something to give for those in need. I've given you a job to be a blessing. God has recreated us in Christ for good works. That we might have something to share. What a mindset. What's the American mindset of work? Work hard to party. Work hard to retire. What's God's mindset? Work hard so that people can know Jesus. Work hard so you have something to share with those in need. That's the gospel. Then lastly, it's the rest of our work. I tried to wordsmith this. But how do rest and work work together? I read to you in Genesis 1, 1 through 3, that after God created everything, it says on the seventh day, he rested. And he said, this is a holy day because he rested from creation. Uh, thus, the heavens and the earth were formed and he rested. So why did God rest? If you make the world and the cosmos, wouldn't you be tired? You think God was tired? Ooh, man, if God is tired, I don't want to know him. He's not almighty. Why did God rest? He rested to show completion. Everything that he created was enough. He didn't make more. He said this was enough. He rested to show that it was complete. And I love the fact that Jesus, his son, does the same thing. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 10, 12, it says when Jesus offered a sacrifice on the cross and ascended into heaven, guess what he did? He sat down. Why did Jesus sit down? Because it was over. It was enough. Please listen to this. Jesus' life for you was enough. Jesus' death for you was enough. Jesus has opened up heaven. Jesus has provided us forgiveness. And he sat down because it was done. And it was complete. And it was enough. Thank God. The reality is, it's enough for us. Jesus also 
Uh, God also rested. Why? Because he wanted, watch this, he wanted to separate his identity from his work. We have such a hard time for that. What do you do for a living? Who are you? We have taken our work and we've made it so much of our identity. But God says, listen, my work of creation is not my ultimate identity. It worships me for who I am. He separated himself, his work, from his identity. We need to do the same. We need to separate the reality of our, our, our identity needs to be in Christ Jesus. It's not what you do. Listen to this. It's not what you've done wrong. It's not what you've done right. It's not what you own. It's, it's not your future. Your identity should be in Jesus today, tomorrow, and forever. And he should be our identity. We should be able to rest in him. God rested to give us a pattern to follow. He said, hey, listen, it's important to have one day of worship and rest. If it was good for God, it should be good for us. And we can rest too. We can rest from our work. And I know that so much of tyranny of the urgent, you're running after it. And your days are so compressed and your calendars are so full and you're so absolutely weary. And you feel like if you ever pull over in a rest stop and you want to rest for a little bit, someone's going to run ahead of you. But God says, I want you to rest. I don't want you to reflect that your work is not your identity. I am. And I want you to find rest for your soul. I want you to drink it in deeply, the reality, and just shut it down. Shut it down so you can rest. It's not the American way. It's not the upward mobility way. It's not the rat race. But remember, who wins the rat race? No one. And God in his wisdom told us to rest. And lastly, as we come to a close, there's an invitation to rest in Jesus. Listen to these words out of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus says, and does this include you? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you're going to find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what the gospel says? We should find our identity in Jesus, not in what we do. Not in our works, not in our gifts, not in our resources, not even in our sinfulness. Find our identity in him. We find the work of Jesus enough for us. And we worship him on this day to say, I trust you and you're enough. Work-life balance is a joke. It's not real. But the reality is bring Jesus into your work, into your home, into everywhere you go. Balance is momentary synchronicity. Bring Jesus and do it all for him. Everybody that were around us might be working for the weekend, but Christian, work for his glory. Work for the good of your neighbor. It pleases our great God. Amen? Let's pray. Well, Father God, thank you for not only making us in your image, but thank you for making us workers with a job to do, to advance Christ's kingdom, to live in a way that is for your glory and for the better of those around us. God, forgive us, because as Americans living in this great country, there's so much of the American dream that just goes against a Christian world ethic, work ethic. And that, God, uh, we're not just to work for the weekend and work to party and work to play. We're to work for you. And what we do matters. I thank you for what 1 Corinthians 15, 58 reminds us, that what we do, the toil that we have for your name is never in vain. God, I pray for those that are listening to this that are very weary, um, weary in their work. God, would they find rest in Jesus? 
I pray for those that are trying to find their identity in their work. Oh God, may they find their identity in Jesus. God, I pray for those who are out of work or can't find work and feel lost because of it. Oh God, would you draw near to them and be a comfort to them and provide for them. And God, I pray for our church that we would have the right mindset when it came to work for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.